And we welcome you into another episode of the best podcast available. The week of June, the first week in June. Gribble, we got to see players on the football field, not the rookies. We got to see over 50 players on the field today. Well, yesterday, you know what I mean. Anyways, they were on the field. They're going to be back on the field today, too. It's part of OTAs uh, during the week. But we were allowed to see them yesterday for the first time, Gribbs. And it was a nice sight, despite the little weather that we had. Yeah, and I, you know, I felt like an amateur out there. I was checking my roster nonstop for, for who was wearing what number. There was a lot of new faces on this defense, and that was to be as expected with the amount of free agency movement Andrew Barry and company did with work on this defense, plus all those rookies uh, that we expect to contribute out there. So it was it was a good sight to see. Uh, good to see Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, and company out there, and really kind of starting to shape this new look identity to a Browns defense. We expect to be a lot better uh, in twenty twenty one. Well, and I'm looking at my sheet to see who who was here and who wasn't. I know Kevin Stefanski says it's not about who is here and who's not. We're taking care of the people that are here. And then there's a number of players that are also participating virtually through their choice. It is an optional time of year for football players, uh, not for the coaching staffs and definitely not for us. But uh, in addition to Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett, Anthony Walker, Mac Wilson, uh, Jacob Phillips in that linebacker room. Uh, you had Denzel, you had Greedy Williams, Newsom. Newsom playing a little slot at certain times, yeah. uh, working in a little bit. It was cool to see those three guys on the field. And then, you know, from a defensive line standpoint, uh, Miles headlining the charge. But uh, Andrew Billings, you know, we talked about Malik McDowell and Tommy Togiai and Marvin Wilson and how big those guys are. Well, you know, you get – Malik Jackson, who uh, we're going to talk to here in just a little bit, and Andrew Billings on the field. And all of a sudden, that defensive tackle room, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of enormous guys. Yeah, and let's be – I mean, the the defensive tackles these past couple years have been very solid for the Browns. So, I mean, Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi did a a solid job for this group, but it it really is a new identity uh, for this group. And I I think we saw it right away out there today. I mean, obviously these are – 11 on 11 drills at kind of half speed, but we saw it to me, it just seemed like these guys realize. And when we hear from Malik Jackson later, this is a competition. And I think that there's eight guys at that defensive tackle room who really, when you look at it, there's no easy answer to they're in or they're out. Uh, So I think this really is going to be settled on the field. And I think we got even a look at a guy like a Curtis Weaver, who we've been waiting so long to see out there. Uh, and then uh, uh, an old fan favorite from last year, Porter Gustin, sporting a new number out there, which I had to do a double take on seeing uh, a guy out there in number 94. So, I mean, it, it's it's a different looking defensive line, which I think if you look back on the last couple of years has been kind of a strength of this defense that has struggled in other areas. So they've got a, they've got a, a high bar to follow because you expect that linebacker and secondary to be better. You want that defensive line to at least hold serve, if not be better next year. Well, and Walker said it in his meeting with the media on on Wednesday, you know, when asked about all the faces in the room and how the linebacker room is going to shake out, he said the best guys are going to play, you know, that, and that's what it comes down to. And there's, there's plenty of competition and there's plenty of position battles to watch. It's not just, well, who's going to, you know, that linebacker room or that defensive line room, like get it, get even more specific and the defensive end side, who's going to make the cut. On the safety room, 
you know, there, there's a lot of talented safeties. Who's making the cut there? Uh, there's a lot of guys, a lot of good competition. And, you know, I, I know Stefanski made it a point on Wednesday to talk about Walker a little bit. It really impressed by the communication and leadership that the, uh, the new vet has brought to the table here. And I think you get that from a lot of guys, including the guy we're going to talk to in a few minutes, Malik Jackson. Yeah. And listen, just because the question of who's going to play quarterback has been settled on this team, doesn't mean you have uh, a, a dearth of, of uninteresting training camp storylines. I think a lot of this though, a lot of these storylines because of all of the talent that this roster has injected, these are going to be for the diehards. I mean, this is, these are going to be the, the, the people who are into every single player on the 53 man roster, because those are the spots that these, the, the main players are going to be competing for. So I think you can pencil in a lot of these starting jobs, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, I think the competition goes beyond who's going to be a first teamer, especially at linebacker and defensive tackle, because that's going to come down to competition be, be, between players who have been on teams for years who are fighting for the last couple of those roster spots. Were you surprised that a, a good chunk, almost half a practice, I, I think, from what we saw, was spent on special teams? I'm not. I mean, because you, you got a lot of guys on the field who their path to the roster is probably going to be through special teams. I think we'll, you, you've seen the guys that, that, that kind of fit that mold are out there. Even a guy like a, an Andy Janovich is one of your most important guys on special teams. He's out there. I imagine a guy, a rookie like Demetric Felton, is going to contribute on special teams in some capacity, maybe filling that, not necessarily the returner role, but the jack of all trades, Dontrell Hillier role of these last couple of years. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of players out there who are going to find their way to a roster spot via being a, a core special teamer. And this is the opportunity to start learning it because we know Mike Prefer's tolerance for mistakes on special teams is, is not very high. So, I mean, you got you to understand the system, understand what's expected uh, and, and just get it, any little bit is going to help you when July rolls around. Speaking of Demetric Felton, uh, most of the time that I saw him working with offense today, it was working with the wide receivers and not necessarily the running backs. Yeah, and he looks smooth. Yeah. Looks like it's natural to him, which you look at his numbers at UCLA, I think that's pretty natural. To You understand this guy knows how to catch the ball. And I think we heard then after, since this was our first practice, we were like, has he been doing this every day? And it doesn't sound like that's been the case. It sounds like it's kind of a, an either or type of situation. And, you know, we've seen this in the past. We've seen Kareem Hunt do this kind of stuff. We've seen Duke Johnson in the past do this kind of stuff. I like the comparison that I keep coming back to with Dimitri Felton, a player like a Theo Riddick uh, in Detroit, who was really uh, touching the ball more as a receiver than he really was as a running back, even though he was a, uh, technically a running back. And I, I do think that could be the, the future moving forward for Dimitri Felton. But it, again, when you're on an offense that's as full of playmakers as this Browns offense is, the more you can do and the, the more unique that you can do it, uh, I think is going to be your path to playing time. And right now, I don't know if there's someone who matches that skill set that Felton brings. I think Dearness Johnson is, is pretty similar in that he can, he's comfortable catching the ball, but Dearness is also proven as a special teams guy and as a running back in this league. So it's, it's not going to be easy sledding just to get into that running back room for Felton. He's going to have to show he can do a lot uh, in, a, in a number of different ways for this offense. So not a lot of guys on the offensive side of the football in terms of a starter aspect are here. Uh, you know, a lot of the defensive players showed up this week, but not too many of the offense. But that gives a lot of those guys in that second tier who did who are here 
a lot of reps, especially on the offensive line. Saw Nick Harris, uh, tight ends uh, with Carlson in the building. Uh, you mentioned Janovich, but I, he might be the only starter, I think, that was here on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, and it's a good experience for some of these guys who, when you look back, like Nick Harris and, and some of these second-year players, they never really got a rookie minicamp last year. So this is almost like a, a baby steps toward what it's like to be in the NFL year round. And I, I think that, that that's the, that's what they're able to go through now. I think it's uh, an injury that was maybe overlooked was it was good seeing Nick Harris at full speed. It looks like he ended last year uh, with an injury. So I, I think it's, it, it was encouraging to see him moving around that way, you know, some bumps and bruises along this roster right now, but, but nothing serious of note. And I think the key is getting, getting through mandatory minicamp in a couple of weeks and then, and then being as healthy as possible come training camp. Any other things that stood out to you in our first look at the 2021 Cleveland Browns? Or hey, it was, uh, To me, with you mix in the weather, you mix in the, the size of the roster, you mix in maybe the lack of, you know, pure 100% speed football. And it, it, to me, it felt and looked like a November practice here in Berea when you're kind of slowing things down. But again, it, it, to me, today especially, just because of the people who are here, I think a lot of the people who aren't are a lot of the familiar faces. This looks like a, a new looking team. I mean, this, 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 especially the defense. I mean, it's just a lot of body sizes and numbers that I'm getting used to out there. And I think that's going to be something that people who come out, hopefully, if we can get people out here for, for training camp, that's that you're going to need that roster because the, this defense really did go through an overhaul this season. And, and today was kind of the evidence of, of what that kind of looks like. Yeah. Definitely a lot to watch here and still a lot to happen over the coming weeks before we get to training camp. We will talk about training camp coming up in just a little bit. Uh, also the preseason and some slight tweaks from the league and uh, a few other takeaways from Wednesday's OTA availability. Right now, though, time for our player spotlight, our new defensive tackle. He comes to us from Philadelphia. Prior to that, he was in Jacksonville. Prior to that, he was winning a Super Bowl in Denver. He's a fifth-round pick uh, of the Broncos. He's got a lot of leadership and a lot of energy, and he is a fantastic person to get to know. Have a watch and have a listen. Happy to be joined on the best podcast available by one of our newest defensive tackles. Malik Jackson joins us here on the BPA. Malik, appreciate a few minutes of your time. Great to see you on the football field here. Welcome to Cleveland. What's it been like for you? Uh, especially past year from COVID, COVID's still going, but guys back in the building and uh, back at it here, getting ready for 2021. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, it's an honor. And um, COVID's been rough, you know, um, but I, I have to say it's been nice to get back with the guys in the building this week. You know, um, being able to kind of stay home with your family this offseason has been great, but, you know, you miss the guys, you miss the work, you miss the camaraderie. So to be able to be back in the building, learning these plays, getting comfortable with my coaches, being able to compete against my teammates. Um, it's, it's, uh, you miss it, you know, so I'm very happy to be back, happy to be here, um, on a good team, trying to, trying to help them get better. And, um, yeah. Malik, for, for you personally, how much do these couple of weeks make a difference when you get into July? Like, what did you notice last year when you got into training camp and, and how do you expect to feel differently this year? With the COVID going on? Um, how is it different? What's your question? My bad. Just in terms of like you getting on the field for some OTAs, which you guys yeah. didn't have last year, just getting this yeah. kind of experience here. Yeah, it, it means everything. You know, it's one of those things you, you kind of take it for granted. You know, when you're playing, you're like, God dang, I would just want to be home with my kid. I want to be able to be home. 
you know, it's off season, you know, you, you take that, it's optional, you know, but we take it serious, you know, and now being able to have a chance to stay back, you know, it's, it's a blessing because I'm able to be with my daughter, Razor, and be with her, but, you know, this is my job. So you always think about, you know, what I need to be doing, what I need to be doing. So to be able to be back here, it, it's, 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 it's like night and day, it just, it just means a lot. You, you don't take it for granted as much anymore. You understand the limited time we have and um, you understand how important it is. So it's, 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 um, it's much needed. What has Kevin Stefanski been like? Your experiences with him and uh, what, how he differs maybe from some of the coaches you've had in the past here? Well, first of all, he's a great coach. He's a great communicator. Um, he allows us to be us. You know, that's the one thing, the biggest thing I think I've learned from Coach Stefanski is he doesn't, he doesn't over talk. He doesn't yell. You know, we haven't seen that part of him yet. You know, right now we've seen him just cool, calm, collected, you know, giving out information, allowing us to be, um, you know, make, make the right decisions, whether it be told how to make the right decision. And, and I appreciate that. Take us inside the, your room right now with the defensive tackles. What's what's the group been like? And, and it seems like it's a crowded group with a lot of guys that, that are looking for some of those spots right now. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of competition. And I, and I think that's what brings the best out of people. You know, um, it's one of those things the, the uh, GM really went out and got some people in the D-line room to really compete. You know, um, a lot of good guys, a lot of guys that can pass rush run and stop the run. And so it's going to be a very good camp. Um, to really come out here and, and compete. Like I said earlier, it's nice to kind of come back in OTAs and be able to see who your competition is and be able to kind of give them that eye test, you know, because as players, we're all doing that. Okay, what can he do? What can he do? And it makes you feel like, okay, what do I need to do better? So, like I said, being able to be here with our guys, it's, it's just awesome just to be able to talk to them, laugh with them, um, put a face to a name, you know, or face to a to a virtual face and um, just just be able to kind of get to know each other. Um, it's It's awesome. Good room. What is the weight room like with Tommy Togiai, Billings, and obviously I, I'm sure that you've seen Miles Garrett. And, and you're, you're not a small individual by any means either, but uh, I'm sure the weight room is pretty entertaining these days. Yeah, first thing I said to Miles when I saw him, I was like, damn, you got some big arms, bro. You know, like you see him on Instagram and you see him on TV and that's like the first thing I was like, okay. Yeah, okay, he, he, he's all natural big arms right there. So you, you just... I mean, it's it's awesome, you know, with the with the big boys. I um, uh, you know, I'm getting up there, so my, I'm strong, but you know, not the Billings and in the in the young boy T strong. So I just keep it down on the other end, you know, put my little three wheels, two wheels on there on each side, and and get after it. You know, I got got to be a little smarter with with the age. <laughs> and Malik, you've gone to a few different teams as as a veteran. What what's what's the biggest adjustment when you go into a new organization, and and what have you learned from those past experiences doing this? The biggest thing I think is to come in with humility. You know, I understand who I am. I understand what I bring. You know, I understand I'm a hard-nosed guy. I want the best out of everybody. When I talk to you, like I'm talking to you because I want to get you better. But it's also, you have to understand this This room has a leader in Miles. So to be able to come in here and, and kind of take that role of like, okay, I'm coming here. Like I'm going to help guys. I'm going to speak to guys in this defense that I ran for the last two years. I can kind of talk to them in a way to kind of help them. So I think it's just being, being humble, letting them know like, yeah, I'm, I got 10 years in, I got a Super Bowl. That's that's all cool. But like, we're here together. We're all O and O. Just come in here, work together, get better, and let's coach each other up. And, and, and just, and uh, every I win, you win. If you win, I win. So just team. Talking with Malik Jackson, our newest defensive tackle, to play off of that, what's your best piece of advice for this rookie group or, or some of these younger guys? Um, The best advice I can give is just kind of, just be quiet and listen. And, and I don't mean that to say like, oh, rude, just shut up. Like, no, nah, just like, <clears throat> if somebody's saying, if Miles is saying something, listen, right? If coach is saying something, listen. If, if, if we're doing a drill, 
don't be the first one in lines. Take a step back and watch. You know, don't you don't have to be the like coming from college. You think, you know, I'm the guy, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. You know, you were here, now you're starting here. So just like go back to being humble and being able just to just to be quiet, listen, watch, learn. And then that once you start really getting it and understanding, then you can go to the front and then you show out. You know what I mean? Don't don't try to run before you can walk. So that's the big advice. Malik, did you have to learn that the hard way at all early in your career? No, I, I, I fancy myself being able to learn from other people's mistakes, you know, and I, and I had a group of Von Miller, D. Ware, um, Robert Ayers. So with that group, I, I was able to get a, and that's why I think I'm so good with the Ruggies because Robert Ayers and Kevin Vickerson, two older guys really took me under and talked to me, coached me up and talked to me, let me know what I need to do here or there. And, uh, you know, I just absorbed it. I think that's why I'm so vocal with the young guys and just saying, hey, Think about this. Hey, do this. Hey, really do this. Hey, watch, watch this guy. He's good at what you need to do. So, you know, I was, I was blessed in that aspect. So I want to give it back. What's been the key to your success of being able to stay on the field? You're, you're an Ironman. Uh, you don't miss very many games. I mean, the, the one year in Philly, obviously you, you had some injury issues, but you bounced back last year and play and play in 15 games in a, in a COVID year. What's been the biggest key for you? To be durable, you have to sp- it's, it's kind of goes back to the LeBron James thing. You know, you have to spend money on your body. You know, I was talking to this um, one kid um, who got drafted earlier a few weeks ago, and I told him, you know, invest in a chef, you know, invest in a, uh, and know what your weight room, know what a masseuse, you know, um, really get somebody you can talk to to get your mental health right. You know, it, it takes a lot of things to be able to really to get yourself to where you can go play because, you know, we still have life outside of football. And, you, and, and if you start letting one thing bother you mentally or, you know, if you start letting your, your one piece of your body start aching and you neglect it, then you're, you're not doing yourself justice. So really just invest in your body and um, it's a tax write-off. So you'll be okay. <laughs> and when, when did you start, Malik, when did you start doing all that stuff? Was that a right away thing for you or did, or did that come with time? The body thing I had, um, DeMarcus Ware really pulled me into that, you know, really take care of your body after practice. He will pull me, pull me in. Even when I got my second contract, I was in Jacksonville, Clays Campbell. After practice, just talking about pass rush, talking about how you're going to get better, talking about he'll call you at home at eight o'clock. Hey, what are you thinking about on this and that? It's really just like always thinking and always just getting better. So, yeah, I just had a lot of a lot of guys be able to teach me how to do it. Is there a mentor that you have that you still bounce things off of today? Yeah, I still talk to players Campbell. I still talk to Vaughn when I run into him. The Marcus Ware, like I've, I've been able to and blessed to be with a lot of good players. And um, you know, like I said, when you be quiet and listen you know, you, you, you get a lot more out of them. So um, we're still a lot of friends to this day. And uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And with kind of, you, you talk about taking care of your body. What do you do anything off season wise? That's maybe different from some other guys kind of walk me through what you, you do in the off season to make sure you're ready to perform in, in, in camp. Um, off season, I, I usually take about two, two to three weeks off, you know, just, just not, I, I say not work out, but I'm still swimming. I'm still biking, you know, I'm still, um, getting my mental clarity right, whether it's taking a break to go do something else or go see something, you know, or just take my daughter somewhere to go see her smile, like just, just clearly just removing myself. And then it's about after that, you come back and you kind of reevaluate what's, what's hurting during the season um, and what you need to get better at, better as far as football. So it's always just kind of reevaluating, rethinking, and, um, you know, understanding that uh, the older you get, the more you need to kind of really take care of yourself. And, uh, and so it's just, it's just a job. It's a 25A job. Talking with Malik Jackson, do you still run under a five-second 40? <laughs> 491 at the combine, my friend. That's I blew my, good. I blew my quad. I blew my quad at the 32. So we have to make sure we, we say that. Um, nah, nah. I think I think you know once you once you get in the league, man, the, the 40s don't matter. 
You know what I mean? They don't matter. I can still catch. I'll still hawk somebody if I need to. I can still get up. I can still get up. Like my like my Bel Air. I have a fifty five Bel Air, so I consider myself a, a, a Bel Air. You know, got a nice four fifty four in the engine. So, you know, that's me. And and you meant you mentioned this earlier in, in in our interview just about the 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 amount of family time you've been able to have during this last couple of years. I mean, how much does that recenter you as as a football player, and and how much does that motivate you out there? Uh, it's tremendous. I can be honest with you. That was one of the things that I was really fighting with. You know, once you get older, you have kids, you start to realize kind of what's important, you know, and um, football is very important to me, but also raising my daughter and having to be like a 60, 40 relationship where football took 60% was really bothering me. So this COVID has really, uh, allowed me to, uh, really kind of like not find myself, but kind of give me another chance at this, this football. Cause like I said, it's not taking so much of my time and where I feel like I'm neglecting my daughter. So um, this, this COVID has really been a true blessing to me to really be able to feel like I'm, I'm able to do both and not just committing to one thing and being selfish. So it's, it's been good to me. How old is your daughter? She's five. Okay. Well, it's five, what's the five big going one? on 15, five yeah. going on 15. <laughs> it does not get any easier. I have a 17 and a 21. Trust me. It does not get any easier. What is she into? She's in the drawing. She likes designing, uh, playing just just being the kid you know just just everything I'm trying to get her into stuff it's it's fun because they say the, the, the five-year-olds you know when they're so impressionable so we got a little telescope you know we did a little um banjo you know because she can go to school so just trying to just introduce her to things and and just you know yeah so yeah that's it it's gotta be exciting now she's probably about the age that she can really know what you're doing out there right yeah exactly now she knows what's going on you know she's I, she still probably won't watch the game, even if it's Monday night. She'll she'll turn some cartoons on, but it's, it's still nice when she comes to the game. She can say that's daddy, and you know when I retire, she'll be able to say daddy's not lying. He did play football. He just doesn't sit around. So it's nice to have somebody that can vouch for me when I when I retire that I actually did something. Talking with Malik Jackson, New Browns defensive tackle. All right, I know that you, you have a daughter. You also have a twin brother. He plays defensive end in the CFL, if I'm yeah. correct. Yeah. Who got who got the better of who growing up? Uh, they, they say he's the oldest because he came out first, but I feel like a new study came out that said the second twin born is the one that's the oldest. So, but uh, nah, he, he he got me, you know, he was he was just a little more aggressive. You know, I was just a laid back, kick back, you know, hey, you got it, man. You know, so that was me growing up. But, you know, once I started filling in, you know, the, the, the tables turned. So uh, I would say it's 50-50 if you ask me. Malik, a guy you, you've got a previous relationship on this team is Joe Woods. What, what about you guys connected really well and, and what excites you about playing under him now as a, with him as a coordinator? Well, yeah, that's one of the really reasons why that's not really, that's one of the real reasons why I came here was because of Coach Woods. Um, I had a great relationship with him. We were together in Denver where he was a um, cornerbacks coach. Um, so yeah, when I found out he was a D coordinator here, it was it was a no brainer. I was able to call him. We were able to have a real conversation about where I'm gonna be at, what I'm gonna do, how I'm looked at, um, and 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 so being able to have him there and have a true conversation, not like, hey, what's up, coach, man? I know you know you want me on your team. Where do you see me? Oh, Malik, whatever you want to do. Da, da, da. That that wasn't him. He gave me true, concise, um, real um, things that I can I can kind of put my hat on and say, okay, that's what I'm gonna be, and I feel comfortable with that. So we have a very no BS, all straight, fun. I, I, I would say father-son because he's older, you know what I mean? But like, because we're not brothers. So like a father-son relationship, you know what I'm saying? So it's just very much mutual respect, man. And um, I'm happy he got this opportunity. And I hope I can come in here and make him, make him look better on that field, you know? So, yeah. No, 
and I know you guys aren't breaking down film of Patrick Mahomes yet or anything like that, but how much of a sense of urgency maybe is there with all these new guys to be on the same page defensively as soon as possible when you guys get to start playing games that matter? I mean, I, I think I'd be lying if I said there is none because we took so much time out of OTAs to come back, you know, um, but I don't think it's like a sense of like true urgency. I think right now it's just a sense of, okay, hey, we got you guys here. Let's, you guys wanted to be pros. You know, you guys took your time by yourself. You said you want to be pros. Cool, you're pros. Now we're here. Now let's get to it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so yeah, I don't think it's an urgency. I just think it's a, it's a respect thing that we asked for time to stay back because of COVID. Now he's like, okay, now you need to be, a, be pros and tell me what you've learned while you've been away. So, yeah. Malik, before we let you go, what's the biggest key? Because you, you've played on, you've won a Super Bowl. What's the biggest key to a defense coming together and gelling? Just, just being on the same page. Um, and it, it sounds, you know, simple, but it's, it's harder than it sounds. But just, just being on the same page. And I think just, just understanding that um, as a team, like we have to, if we're all right, we're all right. If we're all wrong, if one, if one is right, we're all right. If one is wrong, we're all wrong. There's no, there's no good player on, on a bad team. You know, we have to make sure that we all want to be great. We all want Super Bowls. We all want Pro Bowls. We all want all the best accolades, but it comes to playing together. And, and, and I think we're, we're, we're doing that. We're learning that. Um, so just staying together and um, just executing, you know, defense wins championships. And once we know that and understand that, and realize that um, we'll be all, we'll be all right. Malik, appreciate your time. Fantastic. We wish you all the best continued success. Enjoy that time with that five-year-old because before you know it, she will be 16. Yeah. <laughs> I, Gribble's got two girls. I have two girls. It, Totally understand, man. They grow and they grow very quickly. So continued success. All the best to you. And we look forward to seeing you in a Browns uniform here in training camp. Uh, first mini camp. And then obviously the big deal comes up at the end of July. Wish you all the best. I appreciate you. Thank you guys for the platform. You guys have a great day. Gribs, you know, we talk about a lot of the guys in that defensive tackle room and it's easy to overlook a guy like Malik Jackson and people should not be overlooking him and what he can bring to this table. So impressive, a great work ethic, has had success uh, in most places he's been. More importantly, the guy doesn't miss games, and that's pretty important, uh, obviously, for Kevin Stefanski and company. Yeah, you know, Malik Jackson's an interesting case, uh, an interesting guy in the league, and, and someone who, if you want to look at evidence of someone who's really, when you talk about rookies going into the right situation and, and figuring out their path to the NFL – Malik Jackson has found found himself in a fantastic situation in Denver uh, as a fifth round pick. You know, not not many fifth round picks go on to sign contracts the way that Malik Jackson was able to in, in Jacksonville and with Philadelphia and, and continuing to play in the league now with the Browns as one of the oldest players on this team. But, you know, he joined a defensive line that was just loaded with talent and kind of veterans who kind of showed him the way. Uh, through the league. And I, I think it elevated his competition level and kind of woke him up to be like right away. He had to really bring it to even get on the field in Denver. And then he really, after a couple of years, emerged as one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. And I think that, uh, and then he goes into a great situation in Jacksonville with Calais Campbell. They, they make up a defense that was almost good enough to get to the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles at quarterback for Jacksonville and, and not much offense there. I, I think it, it's it's it, it, he's someone who knows what a good situation looks like. And I think that's a redempt, redemptive quality of this Browns team where he saw what the Browns are doing and, and liked what they were seeing. And now he is trying to provide that situation for some of these younger guys on a defensive line 
room that, that's got a lot of competition. And I think Malik understands he's in that competition too. He, he's not guaranteed anything either. And I think he knows he has to mix the mentorship with competing for, for a spot uh, in that rotation. Well, and he is the second oldest player on this football team. <laughs> and you, yeah. you know, his, his experience. And I, I think a guy like Gibbs, it's really hard. It just, to interrupt you, it's really hard for me to rationalize guys I covered in college are now the oldest players on a football team in the NFL. That's it's it's heartbreaking. And so it, this is I've reached it. Yeah, I mean, this is someone I covered as a college athlete, and now he's an aged veteran NFL veteran who's the oldest player, one of the oldest players in the Browns roster. Tough to swallow. Tough I mean, swallow. you mentioned it, uh, and he talked about it. You know, the experience and, and the mentors he still has around the league, and and guys that have played at the elite level and had a lot of success at the elite level and what he's able to learn from them and hopefully take that knowledge and pass it on to some of these younger guys. But um, it's another guy on this defense. And, and there are a few of them that are on prove it type contracts and you're going to get everybody's best effort, especially going into training camp. And, you know, when, once you clear that hurdle, then it's keeping that roster spot. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you got a lot of guys on that defensive side of the football with a lot to prove here in 2021. Yeah, and I think Malik is, is someone who we didn't talk to him about it too much, but I, I think he wants to show he's, he's even better than what he was able to show in Philadelphia. I think, that's, that, I think it's someone who's clearly more capable of maybe not producing the, the big-time sack numbers, but being a guy that is on the field a lot for you, making plays, and I think he, he – he believes he has it. And the guy you watch, you see him out there. He's in great shape. Uh, one of the, one of the leaner defensive tackles on this team, but uh, he's, he, he's in quality shape. And I think he knows how to take care of his body uh, and he'll be ready to go uh, once late July gets here. More importantly, this is how far this football team has come. He's part of a long list of guys that have joined this football team because they see this football team as a Super Bowl contender. And it's pretty cool to hear that every time that someone says that, like I came here to win because I thought that this yeah. team had the, one of the best chances to go all the way. Yeah. And, and we've talked about it before. I mean, not many teams in this position had the resources that the Browns did this off season. So I think you maybe heard that even more than you would in, in a normal off season. Cause most teams that are on the brink of Super Bowl contention, they're in the position where they're cutting salary and cutting players and trying to, to get under the cap. The Browns are in the opposite position. So they were able to add a number of these players. And it's not like it's the phony, like load up on big name free agents and, and blow out your cap. I mean, they, these were targeted signings uh, that really supplemented a defense that needed some more depth and needed. And, and honestly, in Malik's case, I think with all the young players, you need a little bit more experience on that defense too. And, and he brings some, some veteran savvy to an otherwise pretty young defense. Yeah. All right. A big takeaway from Wednesday's availability. Miles Garrett will not be playing basketball anytime soon, <laughs> according to Kevin Stefanski. That's good news to whoever's playing pickup basketball near Miles Garrett, I would say. I mean, the, the, all of a sudden, whoever's running in the same games as he is, their, their points per game is going up a little bit more, and uh, their, their defense is getting a little less stressful. Yeah. I, would, I would want no part of Miles on the basketball court. No, that guy should have gotten out of the way. No, the, the, no one's calling a charge in pickup, and no, no. one's—you're you're not being a hero out there. No, you—you—you were you, you part of a lot of views and a lot of eyeballs on social media. That's essentially how that uh, how that has gone down. 
Um, any other big takeaways from Kevin Stefanski and what he had to tell the media on Wednesday? Listen, I, I don't think it's any surprise that, you know, he, I, full respect from Kevin Stefanski with the players and their situation with reminding everyone over and over again, these are voluntary workouts. And I, I think it helps that, you know, Stefanski has a year under his belt of getting a team to the playoffs and winning in the playoffs without having any on-field work in the spring. So it's almost like this is his first spring as a NFL head coach with actual practice on the field. This has got to be almost like a bonus to him to have these guys on the field after what he went through last year. So I think they, I don't think anything has caught them by surprise. And I think that they've kind of adapted and gone with what they're, what they're getting on a daily basis here. Uh, and I, I think that they'll be ready to go. And I think as he reaffirmed that they're having the mandatory mini camp. So you get those three days in uh, and then you're ready to go and you're already ahead of where you were last year. So I, I think, as long as this group is ready to go for training camp, I, you don't see much stressing him out about about uh, voluntary workouts and and knowing that, especially with what he's seeing in the virtual meetings, it doesn't seem like a coach that's worried about where his team will be in late July. Well, and you just touched on it. The big takeaway: there will be a mandatory mini camp in two weeks. You know, we'll have another OTA session next week. Uh, we'll have availability again next Wednesday. And then, you know, you have three days where it's it's mandatory minicamp and you got to be here. And it's the final tune-up before we get to training camp at the end of July. And that's, you know, th that'll be a big few days for this Cleveland Browns coaching staff in terms of getting guys final preparations. If you need to install some things or, you know, put some things in place so guys know what they need to work on over the, over the six weeks after that, I mean, this that's where things get big. Yeah. And this is like what Joe Thomas used to always talk about when you kept changing coordinators and coaches and things like that. It was like, you kept repeating algebra over and over again. Now you get to go from algebra one to algebra two. Uh, and then I think that's the, especially on the offensive side of the ball with so much continuity, so much familiarity that this is just like a completely different ball game for this offense where they can work on what they did well and make it better and work on some new things that they couldn't install last year and, and, and kind of add it as a new wrinkle to this offense. And I, so I think we saw a lot of growing pains in training camp last year on that offensive side of the ball. And I think that it's not going to be perfect when we get to July, but it's just going to be a different looking group out there because they, they'll, they'll be so much more comfortable with, with each other on the field. Yeah. And again, speaking of, end of July, you know, it looks like that last week in July will be when everybody shows up and not just here, but it, it sounds like it'll be that way around the league. And, you know, a couple teams obviously having to go early because of hall of fame game and the Thursday night game uh, to kick off the season, Tampa Bay and Dallas, but everybody else it appears is going to show up for training camp around the same time. And, you know, there's a few tweaks and whatnot, but, um, the cut down days are spaced out a little bit more and more maybe I want to say the benefit for us because there's their cut down days is, is a rough day around the national football league. It's not something that's celebrated, but you know, that day is going to come a few days earlier. It looks like this year than in past years. Yeah. You've got about like 11 days with your 53 man roster before you take the field because it's going to be on the Tuesday of the, the August 31st and the Browns don't hit the field till what September 12th. So, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a decent chunk of time. So you're going to be able to get a couple practices in also you almost maybe I'm wondering how different teams will treat it, but your labor day weekend is kind of like a, 
a bye week during training camp, if you want to call it that, like your first bye week. Um, so with the, and then you're all ready to go back in the building uh, on that that Monday or Tuesday, uh, and it's on to week one. And I, I think that th- this sets up in a way, to me at least, we haven't gone through it, so maybe I'm speaking out of, out of turn here, but this this shapes up in a way of where it probably should have always been this way. But I guess the 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 change in the 17 game schedule uh, and taking away a preseason game that it, it opens things up a little bit to a schedule that to me just makes a lot more sense uh, with with your cadence because it's almost like a that that fourth preseason game on that Thursday or a Wednesday was just like a rush job. You get there, you'd be on like four or five days rest. Sometimes you barely practice before it. And then you, you put out a lot of guys out there who, you know, aren't going to be with the team a couple of days later. So it, it's, I'm glad that it, it almost slows down the preseason a little bit uh, and, and kind of has more of a, a, a rhythm to it. And, and we'll, we'll see how that benefits the team going into, into the season open. Yeah. I, I think it's definitely something to watch. I got to go and look, I, I feel like we're going to be the last preseason game of the preseason slate in the national football. I believe so. With that Sunday night game against Atlanta. I mean, We'll get back early, early Monday morning, and you know I would think things will probably come fast and furious from a, from a cut down standpoint at that time. Yeah, it's it's just going to be a, a situation where uh, I, I'm more intrigued, honestly, about how our team's going to approach that third preseason game. Is it going to be a dress rehearsal, or is it going to be more like that fourth preseason game where it's mostly players that are uh, looking to looking to find work elsewhere? I mean, that's the that's the, that, that'll be, uh, I wonder if it's a, a coach by coach basis or does the second preseason game become the showcase game? And we'll have to see. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap up this week's edition of the best podcast available. We're back with you next week. Uh, OTA availability on Wednesday. We'll have another player or two and leads up to our final uh, episode of the off season, the week of mandatory mini camp. So appreciate Andrew Gribble's help and guidance and assistance, as always. Uh, Anthony Paco, well done, my friend. Good job by AB, spinning the dials behind the scenes. Uh, for Malik Jackson, doing an outstanding job joining us and also on the field. Happy to have him in the building and happy to have him on this football team. Make sure you like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Browns. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.